Judges play a key role in our justice system, and they make decisions that impact the lives of everyday individuals who appear before them in court. Adrian Brown was an Air Force officer in the Judge Advocate General's Corps before settling down to work on public policy here in Portland. Now Adrian is running for Multnomah County Circuit Court Judge. She joins us now to tell us more. Good morning, Adrian. Good morning, Emily. Well, first off, tell us a bit about yourself and why you're running for Circuit Court Judge. Thank you, and, and thank you so much for making this opportunity happen to help educate the voters. I know uh, having the ability to elect judges, having a choice of election of judges is uh, not common, and so it's so important to keep our voters educated in these races that don't typically appear on the ballot. So I am a mom, I'm a veteran, as you mentioned, and I'm an advocate. Those are the three ways I like to describe myself because they really define the breadth of my experience and the depth of my experience as well. I grew up as a young child uh, with a single mom and I saw her fight for child support for my sister and I. And that left a mark on me because at the end of the struggle, it was a judge that made a difference in our lives, Mm -hmm. a judge that did the right thing for the right reasons as a public servant. And after years of having no child support, he finally provided justice for our family. Mm -hmm. And it made a big difference in my life. And my mom's ability to persist in that um, also gave me the ability to see the value of compassion. Uh, It was with my mom's compassion uh, for my sister and I, as well as just for what's right that has motivated me to want to be a public servant, to be involved in my local community. And I have chosen to be a public servant for the entirety of my career. It's a choice I feel has been an honor uh, to serve, both as an Air Force uh, judge advocate, as well as in the Justice Department as the Civil Rights Coordinator. And in 2017, I decided I needed to do more to be in my local community, to help my local community. And I started pursuing avenues to do that. And I saw in some of our judges leadership that was exactly what I was looking for. Uh, Leadership using your ability to impact our local community in a way that benefits creating more access to justice that helps underrepresented communities be heard and that helps families. And so it all came together and this opportunity was presented and I jumped on it because uh, I have a passion to serve. Mm. And there are four candidates running for this role. What's at stake in the county circuit court election? Yeah, so um, my answer uh, would have been different uh, a couple months ago. Mm. With, uh, with COVID-19, I believe that there's even more at stake. Mm-hmm. And what's at stake is leadership, uh, making sure that we have judges on the bench that have experience and leadership through crisis, have experience and leadership through systemic reform. And I am uniquely situated to bring that leadership. So uh, I have not only served as the civil rights coordinator for the last 10 years, 
in the department, but I have also worked on systemic reform on issues that are being thrusted before our courts. And those issues are going to be even more magnified with COVID-19. So those issues involve things like making sure that there is access for communities. Uh, COVID-19 has highlighted um, that there are, all, there's always opportunities to learn, but, but COVID-19 has magnified the reason why we need to pay attention at where our gaps are in our access to justice. And what I mean by that is how people can make sure they have access to the judicial system, to the courts. And in a day where uh, COVID-19 has shown us how much, how, how important it is for technology to meet the demands of communities, uh, the court is no different. Uh, We need to make sure that we have um, leaders in, at the court, um, and that's what judges are. Judges are, as a third branch of government and as elected officials, we're, we're leaders, and we need to work with our stakeholders. And so I have been able to um, have the honor of, of doing that in my work already. So I have worked on both systemic reform issues involving gaps in our community mental health services, gaps in um, best practices for policing, fair housing, uh, treatment of veterans, families with children. And so I bring that leadership and that experience, and I look forward to an opportunity to be able to help move the work of the court forward. Mm. And you mentioned in your career you have experienced judges on the bench that have inspired you, that have sort of in, and also inspired you to run for a judge. What makes a good district court judge? How do you know when you're standing in front of someone that's really at the top of their game? Yes, um, that's a that's a great question because uh, there there's and we could you know talk about it all day. Mm. Uh, there's certainly a, um, a sort of a, a canned answer about you know a judge needs to have the judicial temperament. A judge needs to have um, the ability to 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 have compassion for those who are before her. And one of the things that I have done in my own time is just watched judges, gone and watched judges, uh, mostly judges that have been involved in treatment courts. So the judges in our local community that have the treatment court dockets, and by the treatment courts, I mean the mental health court, our drug courts. These are courts where there is a unique way that judges are looking at cases to help people connect with services so that they don't continue to come back. And I think that the judges that run our treatment court, such as Judge Waller, uh, Judge Albright in the past, Judge Block, Judge Bergstrom has also worked on some veterans treatment uh, court issues. There has been um, this need to really be involved at the granular local level. And that takes a whole nother set of not just the temperament and the compassion, but the ability to really get into what is needed to help people. Um, Judges, you know, they can't be advocates for one side or the other, but they can be advocates for making change in people's lives when they have the opportunity and I think that is so important in, in, in today's world where there are so many intersections between addiction and mental health 
and uh, the, the economic struggles and the racial injustices that a good judge is someone who's going to know what questions to ask and how to hold people accountable um, at the same time. It's, it's, it's being able to balance that for each individual that appears before you, and that's where experience comes in. You have to have experience to know what questions to ask, to know what to be looking for. And this is where I feel that my experience will best serve the electorate, and that is I have served both as a prosecutor as well as a defense attorney. And so I have seen the complexity and the humanity on both sides of those things and know what questions to ask and what to be looking for. And also on the civil side, I have both represented individuals who have been wronged, as well as organizations and agencies who need to defend, you know, themselves and, and what they and what's happened. Um, so that breadth and depth of experience is going to make me a great district court judge. So in your career, as you just shared, you've you have a, a diversity of experiences that that have prepared you to be an a, a, an attorney. What have you done to prepare to move from attorney to judge? Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. Like I said, um, you know, judges can't be advocates for one party or the other. They have to sit in a neutral position and ensure that what's happening before them uh, is fair. Right? Mm-hmm. You ask a kid what is justice and it's and it's fairness uh, you could you could you could google the definition of, of justice and you're going to get a bunch of legal uh mumbo jumbo but at the end of the day it's 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 fairness and so how have i prepared to come to the bench with a fair and open mind and i have been preparing for my entire career in the sense that i have sought out opportunities to serve on both sides I have sought out opportunities, and I feel that makes someone a better lawyer, honestly. If you have the ability to look at the other side, not only are you going to be better to anticipate what the other side is doing and what they um, uh, might be preparing, but you're also going to be able to better educate your client on the best decision to make. And as a judge, you have to be able to look at the parties before you, the jury, and everyone that enters your courtroom, and make sure that everyone is being treated fairly and that you are keeping the court open and accessible to all. And so one of the things that has been extremely helpful in in this uh, learning process for me, and it is a learning process, I can can tell you all day what I think is going to be helpful, but until I get on the bench, um, and, and I and I am so grateful that Multnomah County has so many colleagues and peers and mentors that I'll be able to look to, um, and I I believe that you need to continue to, to learn and be open to those other ways that people are doing things, but one of the things that I want to bring forward, which I've brought forward in my practice wherever I go, is the ability to be open-minded and to, to be a continual learner and also to pay attention to where the access points are not being met. Mm-hmm. So in the courtroom, it may be making sure that people with disabilities have access to the courtroom. It may make sure, make sure that people who are 
LGBTQ are being addressed with the pronouns that they um, want to be addressed with. And so it's also being open and knowing how all those different intersectionalities meet in the courtroom. It doesn't stop at the front door. The courtroom needs to be accessible to everyone. And so I think one of the things that I have feel that I feel very proud of is the work that I've done in the community so far has also prepared me. So it's not just my legal experience, it's the community outreach I've done, the community work I've done through a range of stakeholders, everyone from law enforcement to advocates to providers to just individual communities. And the work that I've done on civil rights enforcement, I have touched all those different points in the community and is one of the reasons why I, I, I am uh, endorsed by so many different aspects of the community. Um, you know, it's, it's rare to have, you know, I have both law enforcement endorsements as well as the endorsement of, of Dr. Bethel, who's the Albina Ministerial Alliance president. And I feel that is also important in preparing to be a judge, is making sure you have connected with so many different aspects of the community. And so I feel very, um, I, I, I am ready to serve. I don't just feel ready. I am, I am ready to serve. I have been preparing uh, for the entirety of my career, and um, I look forward to the opportunity to be able to sit in a position where I can help the entire system instead of one one client at a time. Mm. Now, you've mentioned the diversity of community members that would be standing in front of you and the many intersectional identities that each of us bring to to the world. How do you recognize in yourself bias that mm-hmm. might mm-hmm. might come into a situation when you when you are bringing your life experience to, to each of these cases? How do you recognize bias and how do you manage it, navigate it to be uh, creating a fair process? Yeah, that's, a, that's an excellent question. And it is something that this is one of the key points I, I believe is so important for, for all of us, whether or not you're a judge or not, is, is being open to learning. And one of those things is learning about yourself and seeking out those opportunities to better understand why you think the way you think and maybe even looking at yourself and not realizing that you're thinking things. So one of the ways uh, I I have been um, very honored that I've been able to serve as a volunteer mediator in Multnomah County as a a small claims mediator. And um, one of the aspects of that is, is, is continually learning how to be a better listener, how to be a better um, uh, uh, questioner with using open-ended questions. And uh, one of the um, experiences I had recently was sitting through a training on, and I don't even want to call it a training, it's really, it's really an experience to learn about implicit bias and how it comes to be and how you can uh, not only learn about it, but be aware of it in yourself. And so I think one of the things that is so vitally important for all of us in our community is to continue to want to learn, to continue to want to learn about ourselves, about our community members, about our history, and about how we can do things better. And so I look forward to that opportunity. Uh, one of the um, one of the programs that the Multnomah County um, Court has had in the in the past have been lunch and learns, which have been available to judges and staff members and volunteers like myself as a mediator 
uh, to come and learn and, and about different aspects of our community, different aspects of the people that come before the court. And I look forward to continuing to not only see those opportunities to learn, uh, but also look for ways that I can also help people learn. So we have a listener question. Um, If, in your judgment, a lawyer is doing an inadequate job of representing his or her client, what do you think is appropriate for a judge to do? Yeah, so this is, um, I'll start with a start with a story, because this is uh, something I, I have experienced, actually, as, as an attorney. Um, I had a case involving um, an agency, and the um, other side was a self-represented party, and as a Justice Department attorney, um, which is a bit different than someone who's in private practice, it is so important that you are looking at that aspect of making sure the other side has a fair opportunity. Um, but there was a time when, in that case, um, the court uh, appointed an attorney for that individual, which is wonderful, and the fact that we have attorneys that are willing to volunteer and serve as pro bono counsel uh, for self-represented parties is, is wonderful and something that, that attorneys do to give back. Um, in this situation, however, the attorney that was appointed uh, was not really well versed in the area of law that was necessary to help this individual. And the judge could see that, I could see that. And the judge got extremely involved. I mean, it felt like I had another you know, attorney on the case for the other side. And um, I, I, I learned from that um, in the sense of, you know, judges have to, again, be, be aware of the situation and make decisions based on the situation, but we have to be careful not to be an advocate for the other side, right? Then you're, you're losing your fairness, you're losing your balance. So to the extent that you can um, make decisions that create an equal playing field, that's your job. And then it does matter if there is a constitutional right that's being um, addressed. The court must be able to make sure that person who's being represented, that their constitutional rights are, that they know of them and that they're being followed. And so there is a, there is a time and a place where, where a judge um, may very well need to, you know, separately with both attorneys, you know, make sure there's not something else going on. I mean, there, you know, a judge can't presume that he or she knows what's going on in a, in a case because a judge is, is not privy to all the information that's happened between the client and the attorneys. And the judge is only seeing what's presented before her. And so if there's something else going on, like let's say that an attorney is having uh, a mental health crisis or an attorney is having some other issue, I think it is important for the judge to check in with attorneys and judges have to be careful. You know, you can't do that. You have to do that with both attorneys. Um, you can't do that ex parte. But, you know, judges, there's nothing wrong with judges checking in with the attorneys and finding out what's going on um, in a way that maybe will help move the conversation forward. Um, but at the same time, yes, the judge does have to be able to step back and realize that they don't have all the information and, um, and uh, uh, there are there is a process of appeals that can also help someone who feels like they haven't had an effective, they haven't had effective assistance of counsel. Mm-hmm. Um, and so on the back side, 
the judges can also take part in looking at, you know, if it's if it's an issue of resources or um, the ability for attorneys to run their dockets, then the judge can, as a leader, can also look at, you know, working with county stakeholders, whether it's the county commissioners or the sheriff or the state legislature, in, in helping to educate decision makers and people who hold purse strings about what is needed in the court system if it's a resource issue. Um, because those people aren't in the courtroom every day. So the extent that judges can also be part of of not being in a silo, but being involved as a community partner with those other decision makers is also key, ensuring that we have a, a justice system that has uh, resources and uh, therefore can proceed uh, with more fairness. Mm. Now, as a judge, you are holding people accountable to agreements, to to city ordinances, to founding documents of our country, of our state, of our community. And there's also an aspect of holding holding folks to a set of values. What is justice to you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, this is something that, um, you know, I feel like we could uh, we we could you know I wish we could sit down over a cup of coffee you know and just I talk about uh, talk about that in a in a in an informal setting for mm-hmm. for hours because um, there's there's philosophy there's mm-hmm. you know justice to individuals there's there's a system of justice there's so many different aspects of that question what is justice uh, but at the heart of it I think what's important for your listeners and the voters is everyone knows what it is right. You know, you know what it is without even getting into the legal philosophy, and that is what what feels right. Mm. What what feels like whether or not you've been treated fairly. And you you, you go back to just how you, how an individual feels when they're um, looking at a struggle they're facing personally, and they may feel like they didn't receive justice because they weren't heard, mm. they weren't treated fairly or they weren't given a fair shake. You know, that's sort of our everyday understanding of justice, and it's no different in the courtroom. You know, someone who is before a jury, it's justice is making sure you have a jury of your peers, right? Um, if someone who's appearing before a judge, it's, it's making sure that, that they've had a chance to be heard. Um, one, of the, one of the things I learned very early on in, in the work I did um, uh, in the uh, case involving the city of Portland and policing practices um, at the systemic level, not at an individual officer level, but the systemic level on policy, was when we reached out to community members, and I interviewed, you know, well over a hundred community members. We had individual meetings, we had town halls, we had telephone calls, we had meetings with advocates and groups and organizations and law enforcement and elected officials. And at the heart of it, it was being heard. It was being given the chance to be heard. Some of these community members that we talked to had never felt like they had been heard to the extent that, that there was a need, a cathartic need for them to talk about injustices that they had seen and witnessed and felt themselves decades ago. Even though we couldn't resolve what happened decades ago, by listening to them, by understanding that history, we were able to help them feel heard for the first time. Mm. And so that stuck with me, that justice and being 
a good judge is understanding that need to be heard and also understanding the value of compassion and the complexity of individuals. Because you may not, as a Multnomah County Circuit Court judge, be able to give someone the entire day to be heard. Um, so it's, it's being able to understand that need and addressing that need and also understanding that you have to move the work of the court forward. And so you have to be able to administer that justice, that system of fairness in a way that allows everyone to be heard. And um, that's the balance. That's where experience comes in. So um, I, I would just, you know, when, when, when thinking about that question, when thinking about, um, you know, who to vote for as far as what is justice, what is fairness, it's getting back to, does someone come at this with the experience that they will be able to see that from multiple sides, right? Because someone, someone in, that, in that system is going to leave and not feel like they got the result that they wanted. But do they feel like they were treated fairly? That is so important. And as a prosecutor, as a defense attorney, as a civil rights coordinator, I have always come forward to my work with the notion of, I need to be able to know I can go to sleep at night because I've done everything I could to make sure that this person that I'm helping in whatever role I'm in has been heard. And if I did that, if I made sure I looked at all the evidence, interviewed all the witnesses, talked to all the different community members, even if at the end of the day someone's not happy with the result, they're going to feel like they got a fair shake. What is it like to run for a judge position? You mentioned at the beginning of our interview, it's rare for us to have the opportunity to vote for a judge. How do you run a campaign to get a judge seat? Yes, it's a good question because judges aren't politicians, right? Mm -hmm. We're not uh, career politicians, even though we're elected, we're not career politicians as someone who's running for Congress or someone who's running for a Senate seat. Um, we are professionals. Right? Judges are professionals. Judges have, have worked in the law as an attorney, and now we're in an election. We're being thrusted into this political landscape. And so, no doubt, that's been challenging. You know, I, I'm not becoming a judge because I want to be a politician. Mm. I, I, I'm becoming a judge because I, I want to serve my community as a leader. And um, so one of the biggest challenges has been um, being able to reach to voters that didn't even know that this was an election. You know, they didn't even know judges were elected. And so it's that education piece about why this is important, why this matters. Uh, you know, and it's not, there, there are people across the board, whether you're a professional, doctors, attorneys, um, other professions all the way from, you know, neighbors who didn't know that this was a thing, don't even know what judges really do. Um, so it's the education piece that has been both challenging and as well as really rewarding uh, because I, I really love that aspect of being in the community and helping people understand um, what they can do to be involved and make a difference. And so um, I see that challenge as an opportunity and certainly COVID-19 has um, made that even more of a challenge and, and also presented new opportunities for educating people and how they can be helpful even at home. Uh, people can be involved in politics, in elections, in their PJs, 
Mm-hmm. Um, there are all sorts of ways that people can be supportive um, through their work as a as a voter and as an informed as an informed voter. Where can people find out more about you, Adrian? Yes. So um, one of the best ways to learn about me is on my website, um, which is uh, adrianforjudge.com. Very simple. Adrian is A-D-R-I-A-N for judge.com. And then I also, once you get to my website, you'll see I have links to other social media. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. And then also um, I, I highly want to encourage people to, you know, take, take a moment to be an informed electorate, um, be, be an informed voter, and um, consider, uh, you know, making a pledge, pledge to vote for me. Um, there is a, um, there's a, a link uh, that people can um, get to on my website to pledge to vote for me, and I welcome uh, questions as well. So if people have questions for me, I welcome that. My uh, email is info at adrianforjudge.com. And um, I, I, I uh, think transparency and, and leadership is, is very important. And, uh, and I welcome input and questions, um, people to share their concerns, their, their interests with me. Excellent. Thank you so much for joining us this morning, Adrian. Thank you so much, Emily. I really, really have enjoyed our, our conversation. And, and again, thank you for helping to educate our voters about this election. Thank you so much. That was Adrienne Brown. She'll be running for Multnomah County Circuit Court Judge. We're going to see her on the ballot, and those ballots are going to start hitting mailboxes in the next few weeks for just 34 days from the Oregon primary. Again, that's Adrienne Brown, website adrianforjudge.com.